More than half of all Americans either own or work for a small business. And small businesses create roughly two of every three new jobs in the United States each year. Brian, this week is National Small Business Week in the United States. We're going to talk today with Gene Marks, who is a small business expert. He's a columnist. He's an author, a small business owner himself who writes for The Washington Post, Forbes, among other publications. Yeah, and Gene's going to share his checklist for anybody looking to start a small business. He's going to dispel some of the biggest myths out there about running your own shop. And he's even going to give us a humorous story about the upside of failure. The right idea at the right time. The miracles of logistics every day. I just challenged all of their rules. Technology is revolutionizing this industry. Changed our lives. Close your eyes for a second. New York, Hong Kong, Paris. We're more connected. You just never know where the next innovation will come from. Rules are beginning to change. This is Longitudes Radio, a podcast with today's leading experts about the future of technology, global trade, sustainability, and logistics. I'm Brian Hughes. And I'm James Rowe. So, Gene, I wanted to start with this as an opener. As someone who spends so much time studying small businesses, looking at what makes them tick, a lot of people probably have this idea that they want to turn into business, but it's hard to wrap your arms around. I'm wondering if practically you have a checklist of things that you need to do in the beginning to even have a chance of successfully getting off the ground. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I meet a lot of entrepreneurs and startup people, you know, people that want to start up companies that um, they do have big ideas for businesses. And um, yet there is a lot of, I mean, just you know, having the idea and then actually turning it into a successful business is a whole like different thing, you know? And I remember like years ago, my big idea was the, uh, the flip up toilet seat, you know, like for guys, oh. like you, you hit the pedal, like a garbage can and the toilet seat like kind of flips up. Right. And then you let like go of the pedal. It's, it's genius. Right. Well, yeah, there's, there's like a difference between having an idea like that and then actually bringing it to market and turning it into profits, you know? So there is a bit of a checklist that you need to do. I mean, the, the first and number one thing on a checklist is, it, it, is determining if your idea has a market. The people that I've met, clients of mine that have succeeded with startups are people that um, they take an idea that's already there or a business that already exists and just make it better. You know, I mean, look at Starbucks. You know, I mean, there, there were coffee shops before Starbucks existed, but then Starbucks took the idea of a coffee shop and, and made it into something much, much better. So, you know, number one on your checklist is just making sure that there's a market that's out there and then making sure that your idea is going to take, I think, an existing idea and, and make it that much better so that it's, there, there's an actual model for it. Um, other things that are on that checklist is having capital. Um, and capital comes in two forms. Every problem in, I think, in business comes down to two two things: time and money. You know, I mean, most problems can be solved with either of those, and you've got to make sure that you've got those two resources in place before you start up a business. You can't just start up a business with nothing. This is why venture back, you know, companies you know, get billions of dollars in financing. Uh, you know, Uber loses like a billion dollars a quarter. Uh, because they're still building, you know, a business, a long-term, a long-term model. So you need you need cash to run a business and to pay your bills uh, while you grow it, and then you need time. 
you need to make sure that not only do you have the time available, but also that um, your family, your significant others, you know, uh, that are in your life are prepared uh, for you to invest that, that, you know, that capital of time into a business. Because uh, if you're going to get pulled in different ways or your significant other is not, you're not on board with what's involved to start up a business, that's going to have a huge impact on your capital. So, you know, my checklist is that there's more to it, but, you know, those are the three top things, making sure there's a market for it, you know, making sure that if there is a market that you, you're adding something of value to it, and then making sure that you've got two forms of capital readily available, cash and time. Are there any other resources uh, for people who are looking to get into business to, you know, like you said, vet that idea, sure. um, figure out where financing comes from? Yeah. First of all, there, there, there's a ton of different resources out there that can help you um, grow your business and start up a business. Really, the two biggest sites, guys, out there for small business owners, um, in my opinion, um, are Inc. and Entrepreneur. I mean, I know I write every day for the Washington Post, but it's more about small business and public policy and more like sort of, you know, um, you know, stories about small businesses. And, you know, Forbes is more of a, you know, it's kind of geared more towards startups and wealthier and management and more enterprise companies. But honestly, if you're starting up a business, you go to entrepreneur.com and, and pretty much search for any topic that you have in your mind, like you know, raising money for your business or hiring your first employee or uh, you know, it's cash flow advice. There's, there's a wealth of, of general information on a site like that. I just think entrepreneur.com is great. I mean, clearly the government has got sources like from the Small Business Administration as well and Small Business Development Centers. The other key place that I think that you know, every business owner needs to go to get information um, is, is their industry group. When, when my clients leave you know, again, I run a business and I have about 600 active clients. They're mostly small and medium-sized companies. And when my, when my clients leave the office to go anywhere, they're generally going to like an industry conference and they're going there to not only network, but also to learn. And, you know, if, you know, if you're a business owner and you're, you're opening up a coffee shop or you're opening up a, your little manufacturing place or an e-commerce place or whatever, um, you've got an industry group that represents you. And trust me, that industry group, I'm sure, has got plenty of content, both online and both at their conferences that you can learn from. And I think that you really want to be you know, committed to being involved in your industry for that kind of education. Because depending on what industry you're in, there's, there's nuances to running a business. And, and you'll get it from that industry group. I would imagine those industry groups offer lunch as well, right? <laughs> they, believe it or not, and breakfast as well, sometimes I'm told. So, uh, yeah. And usually it's a, and it was funny is I speak at a lot of these industry groups as well. And, uh, you know, some of them are very camaraderie. Some of them are a little bit more, you know, competitive, but they have like entertainers coming there. I saw, I was at some, I forget what, it was some packaging industry. They had the Little River Band performing at one no of their. No way. I know. Wow. Like, James you know, just got really Australian excited. Band, right? I had no I, idea, James, that you were so into that. I, I, yeah. Who knew they were still around? And then there they were. LRB. At the Gaylord Hotel in Nashville. <laughs> so. Hey, hey guys, I got to tell you, and at the risk of appearing ignorant and maybe betraying my age, uh, I have no idea who you're talking about right now. You are oh, kidding me. You're missing something. You're <laughs> missing something. <laughs> I'm not uh, kidding you. LRB. Yeah, as soon um, as you're done, you know, just it, go right on Spotify or iTunes and uh, just listening to a couple little Riverband songs. Just it'll chill right. you out. Okay. 
Yeah, that's cool. Um, you know, another resource I, I was reading in one of your blogs was uh, to go with the show Nathan for You. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but oh, uh, versus Shark Tank. So, what w- what do you get out of Nathan for You? Is is there any any kind of tips we can get out of that show? Nathan for You is one of the most. It's on Comedy Central. Um, I think you can get it on you know you know, on demand or whatever. Highly recommend people watch it. It's first of all, it's a uh, it's been on for years. I think it's five or six years, maybe. It's a Canadian, a guy, a Canadian guy, he's a comedian, really nerdy guy named Nathan Fielder, and he's hysterical. And his whole show is he goes into small businesses and helps them with their marketing, and he comes up with like these insane marketing ideas. Some of them actually make national news. And you you walk away though with not only some funny and, and innovative ideas, but you also realize just how um, small businesses in America, if you're thinking of starting up a small business, how unromantic it is, you know, how most small businesses guys are, they're strong, they're, they're willing to do just about anything. And you'll see in this show to, to get more customers because that's the, what it's like when you're running a small business and it teaches you a lesson that it's a cold, hard world out there. And, you know, if you're going to, if you think you have some romantic version of, of running a small business, check out a few episodes of Nathan for you and you'll see just how, you know, how harsh it can be and the, the extremes that you'll go to in order to get some customers. Well, Gene, I think it's interesting you say that, that kind of lack of romanticism. You talk about this concept of passion and yeah. this idea that, just because you're passionate about something doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot by itself. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, people get wrapped up with their their passion, <laughs> and um, and I, sometimes I think passion is is very misplaced. Um, the most successful people that I know that run companies, boring companies in industrial parks and corporate centers that you've never heard of, um, they're passionate about making money. They're passionate about buying something for a buck and selling it for three. And they're passionate about what their business does for them and their families, which is provides income and security and savings. That's what they're passionate about. There's, you know, I'm going to build a business around my passion, which is, you know, you know, creating crafts for, for turtles, you know, some, some, are you completely obscure thing. And, and I think to myself saying, dude, that's not a business. That's like a hobby. You know, you can be passionate about that, but you're not going to build a business this way. And if you're thinking of quitting your job and making money just because you're passionate about doing that, you're, you're completely missing the boat. You know, I mean, businesses exist to make money. And I meet so many business owners, they're passionate about what their business does for them. And I, I think that's just important to remember that, um, there's a difference between being passionate about something that you just enjoy as a hobby or as a pastime um, versus something that you're actually going to turn it into a something that's going to make you money and provide for your family. Well, Dean, first of all, honing in on that a little bit, I'm a little upset that you're talking about my crafts idea for turtles that's supposed to be between you and me. Uh, it doesn't last. I mean, I'm telling you, these but, turtles, they last forever. I mean, you make it for one turtle, a turtle's going to have it for 100 years. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that kind of killed that idea. But, that. but so just so I'm understanding you correctly here, you're not, you're not dismissing passion or purpose or having, for lack of a better word, kind of higher calling uh, for what you do that gives you personal satisfaction. What you're saying is if you have all those things, but you aren't filling a market need, you're not delivering 
real business value that you're kind of only halfway there. Yeah, that, it, it, that's a very, very good and diplomatic way to put it. I mean, passion only gets you so far, but in the end, you have to have a business sense, and you have to, you know, you 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 have to you know, have enough passion in making money. And profits because that is why you exist as a business. And if you're just going into something because you're passionate about it, but it doesn't have a market, um, it's not going to provide for your family. It's, you know, then you're, you're wasting everybody's time and you're going to wind up very, very frustrated. You know, one of the things you, you've uh, talked about in your blogs is, uh, the idea of risk. And one of the stories that really kind of resonated for me was the, uh, the Fergie singing <laughs> the anthem. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I really liked how you kind of framed that where it's it's really about the uh, – she had a victory in the sense that she took a risk. So first of all, let me ask you guys. Did you did you see Fergie's national anthem at the NBA? At the, you yes, know, the and, game? and I can't wait to hear your defense of it because it's an absolute train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> it was it wasn't great. I, I I will give you that. It you know what's funny? It was one of those things where I watched it and I didn't really notice it. I mean, I don't who notices these things. I mean, when Roseanne did it at the you know the you know the the, the baseball all star game years ago. Okay, that got some attention. But Fergie's thing the next day, I'm reading up. People were just just you know ripping on her. And you know, I was like, geez. I mean, you know, give this woman a break. I mean, she's taking a she's taking a shot. I wasn't that bad. My goodness. But okay, we can argue that. But she, <laughs> she's taking a shot. You know, she's you know, and 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 I have such respect for people that that take a risk. You know, and and give things a you know a shot. And I have a lot of respect for somebody like Fergie that that did that. Listen, I, I have learned um, my, myself that taking some risks in my business is what like has jazzes me up. You know, it gets me pretty pretty stoked. You know, and I bet you it was the same thing with her. Like, you know, she's she's singing, she's doing her thing. She's got a chance of a national stage to really give a separate you know rendition of the national anthem, and she's she's saying, all right, I'm going to do it my way. And I bet you she was nervous about it, and you know, okay, it didn't work out, but they probably jazzed her up for a while because she was you know she was trying to be innovative. So good for her for giving it a shot. Yeah, and and that could have paid off. You know, on the flip side, it could have been a home run, and it's like a breakout album. You know, sure. somebody's doing something really different. You know, guys. Guys, so if someone came to you and said, I want to do Marilyn Monroe in front of a whole gymnasium full of people and set it to the national anthem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I kid. I I get what you're saying. And the disclaimers, UPS is also, we are very supportive of uh, Fergie's attempt to think outside the box as well. It's good for her. But but on the topic of risk, I've learned in business that um, people that really know what they're doing, particularly at larger companies like UPS, they 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 make sure they minimize their risks as much as possible. And, and on the smaller side, um, we my company sells software. We sell customer relationship like CRM software, and I have such a hard time selling it to some business owners, really smart business owners, because they look at me and they're like, "I could spend fifty grand on your software, or I could spend fifty grand on a piece of equipment." And I know that piece of equipment within a month is going to be churning out product for me, and I'll have a return of investment of this over the next few years. Your software, I'm not so sure, and I don't know if I'm willing to risk that. So I've learned that really smart business owners, they are, you know, when they take a, a bet on something, it's, you know, it's not the same kind of bet that a Fergie took at the All-Star game. They, you know, they've thought it through what their return on investment is going to be, and they've minimized their risk to a lot. So, you know, and they never bet the house on anything either. They always take, a you know, a small, small chunks of a risk. So if I'm hearing you correctly, is it fair to say that large corporations 
big businesses might be able to benefit from employing bits and pieces of what you might call the small business mindset? Yeah, I think, actually, I think it's almost the other way around. I interviewed the VP of marketing for Heineken. Yeah, they, they were introducing some line beer or whatever, but the, the amount of data that they got before they did this marketing campaign um, and the demographics that they dug into, and they paid for all this stuff, he just knew before they even launched the campaign, you know, what, what sales were going to be. You know what I mean? I mean, like they, they had it all mapped out and their hope was that it would be even more than expected. So I think small businesses need to learn from big businesses that you know, most big businesses don't bet the farm on stuff and they don't take outlandish risks on stuff. It's very measured and controlled and, and governed by data and metrics and, and feedback. Um, that's what smart companies do nowadays. Do you think, though, that the you know, kind of what it takes to stand out has changed over the last, you know, five, 10 years, thus necessitating a, a certain level of risk for these small businesses? Yeah, you know, it's funny when you talk about standing out. I mean, maybe it's just part of our culture that people want to stand out or get attention when I'm not quite sure how important that is. I mean, I'll give you an example. I mean, if we all struggle to get I don't know, like a plumber to come to our house, right? Or a contractor, right? These are small business owners. And you know what I mean? Like you call these people sometimes, everybody has stories about, oh, I can't find a plumber. Or I can't, you know, guy doesn't return my calls, this and that. You know, you don't need to stand out. As a business owner, if you just do a really good job and have a good infrastructure and a good you know, organization, you will succeed. No one has to you know, read about you in USA Today. You don't have to get any great PR. Trust me, word gets around when you're when you're really, really good at what you do. So sometimes I think there's just a little bit too much emphasis placed nowadays on trying to get attention for your business as opposed to just, just doing a really good job at what you do and, and growing your business through referrals and, and you know, clearly the feedback that you'll get. Yeah, so speaking of strategy there, it sounds like, you know, Word of mouth. I think you had another bit that you've talked about, which is uh, social media. You know, we've looked at it as a free platform. Mm-hmm. You, everybody can get an account. Mm-hmm. But I think you you hit on the idea of you got to take it more active with advertising. So, can you speak a little bit to the strategy? You know, once somebody kind of gets into their, you know, let's say they have a really good idea, you know, and they go into business for themselves. What what is the world of social media doing? So, and I've learned this the hard way for my own business as well. There's no such thing as organic reach anymore. Uh, there's no such thing as like writing a killer posts on Facebook or, you know, or whatever. And then, you know, it goes viral and everybody finds, unless, you know, you're like a kid yodeling in a Walmart. Did you guys see that? It was hilarious. I, I <laughs> saw it. It was pretty good. Yeah. It did go viral. <laughs> Those things are always going to get attention and, and deservedly so. But for businesses themselves, um, we have to recognize that in 2018, you know, Twitter and Facebook um, which are the two largest platforms. Facebook by far, despite Facebook's challenges, remains the largest platform, 70 million small business pages on it. It is an advertising platform. You know, you are not going to get attention for your products if you are, uh, and your business unless you're paying to play on these platforms. That is just a fact. So if you're trying to promote yourself on Facebook and grow your community and even sell products on Facebook, which so many businesses do nowadays, you've, you've got to have a budget for advertising. And not only that, you've got to have somebody 
because they all tell you that they give you the tools, you can get the campaign results and analyze the metrics, and and they do. But come on, we're not going to do this, right? What you know, we we're not we're not marketing experts. We're just running a business here. You're not only going to have to have a budget for the advertising, but you're probably going to have to hire somebody part time or somebody to help out to help you analyze the results of the many campaigns that you're going to need to run to see what's clicking and what's not. Um, and the same thing with you know with with on Google. I mean, if you have other products that you're selling online or uh, even not online, but you want to drive people back to your website, um, you know Google AdWords is cert- clearly it's pay to play to do that. You can't just put your website out there and expect it's going to be found on a search. Uh, Google wants you to pay them um, and buy AdWords to drive people to your site or to your e-commerce store. And if that's the case, you have to have a budget for doing that, and you've got to have somebody helping you out. Um, because the the metrics and the analytics, the fantastic stuff, but you know who's got the time to really to really do that? The most successful clients I know that that are that are doing great on Facebook and great on Google, they've got like five or ten different campaigns running, you know, at once, and they've got somebody that's analyzing these campaigns, and they they're like Michael Jordan said, you know, they fail, they fail, they fail, they fail, they fail until they find one that succeeds, and then they they pump a little bit more money into that, you know. Um, that's how you succeed on social media. Easier said than done. And, and again, this isn't my, I just learned all this the hard way. So that's, that's where we are nowadays. Well, Gene, I want people to find this podcast and I really want it to go viral, <laughs> but we don't have this huge budget you're talking about. So I was wondering if ahead of my next question, if you'd just like to yodel I, real you quick. You took the words <laughs> out of my mouth. You got to learn how to yodel. Or um, what we can do is we can we can film you maybe skateboarding off the roof of your house and down, you know what I mean, and into the street and okay. and like breaking you, a limb may, or so. And then th- that's Maybe only do that once. Yeah, we'll do that once, but hopefully that'll catch on as well. <laughs> that's <laughs> we, enough. We better get it right. So we'll... <laughs> Maybe in the hardest pivot in the history of this podcast, I'd like to go from yodeling and skateboarding <laughs> to a question about the small business landscape. I think we've done kind of a good job with uh, some action items and things people might be able to do as they work through the process. But as it re- relates to the environment itself for small business, I kind of wonder where things stand right now. Is it your perspective that this is a particularly good time for small businesses? Where do you think we're at? So there's been survey after survey about small businesses. Um, the, uh, Capital One Bank just recently had like their their growth index, so which showed that um, uh, you know small businesses are as optimistic as ever. You know, uh, the National Federation of Independent Businesses, although recently their their optimism index ticked down a little bit, it comes out once a month. It's still um, at very, very high levels. All of this is all, you know, it's all, it's all good. And, um, but, but a couple comments on that. Number one is, I, you know, I don't get asked, um, to talk about, um, on, on television or radio about small business. It's not a real, um, topic point on for the media right now. And that's a good thing because the media likes to talk about small business when things are horrible. You know what I mean? And, and the plight of the, the economy is bad. And look at all these small businesses, you know, going out of business. That's what the media like. So no news is good news. When you don't hear that much in the media, the major media about small business, that 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 tends to tell you that small businesses are doing okay, and they are doing okay. Um, the big question is whether or not they're really, with all this optimism, they're really going to open up their purse strings. You know, are we really going to make investments and hire and uh, all that kind of stuff? I, you know, I have to tell you, on my client base. I still see 
a lot of caution. I mean, the average age of the typical small business owner is 52.7 years old. So for those 53-year-olds, and I'm one of them, you know, the recession itself, that big, great recession was less than 10 years ago, very, very resonant still in our memories. Uh, and it was, it was pretty traumatic for a lot of people. And I, I still sense that, uh, the, the spending levels with all this optimism still, you know, still aren't there. People aren't willing to like cut a lot of checks. We're still sitting on some cash and, uh, making sure we're saving and being very, you know, cautious about our investments. Uh, because we know that uh, they're, they're, at any time things could could turn south. So again, you know, optimistic. Everybody's out there. It's good. You know, this is certainly better than it's been before. Financing environment is very good for small businesses as well. Um, it's just that whether or not you know companies are really taking big risks, uh, I'm not seeing a whole lot of that right now. Kind of shifting gears here to technology. Um, I think you know you, you just mentioned that. Uh, successful business owners are always looking, you know, down the road, long term. You know, we've got a lot of new technology that's rolling out, like AI. Uh, you know, things of that nature. How how are small businesses to look at that new technology that's coming? There's there's good sides to it, and there's other sides to it. So I just wanted to get your opinion on that. My advice is number one: don't shy away from those technologies. Embrace them. Um, and be, you know, be, be willing to try a lot of these things out because this is, you know, this is important to your business and being as productive as possible. And number two is to align yourself with a big company. I mean, I think, you know, listen, I'm a Microsoft partner, so I, you know, I, you have to take that with a grain of salt. But if you align yourself with a Microsoft or with a Google or with an Apple, um, you know, these companies are developing lots and lots of, you know, software and hardware for their customer base. And um, they will pull you along with them, and you will you will benefit from from a, a deeper relationship with, with with a larger tech company. Um, I mean, there's some downsides to that as well, but at the same time, I think long term uh, you will benefit from the technology that they continue to introduce. So I wouldn't shy away from that stuff. I would align myself with you know with a larger company. I'd go all in. Um, and I, you know, I'd be embracing a lot of these things that are coming, coming forward. You know, it's funny, you guys talk about like artificial intelligence or bots, like, you know, we have a, we have a sick dog. And so we give medication, uh, from CVS and like, you know, we're like CVS's best customer for the, for this crazy dog. And, um, and I'm getting text messages from CVS like, oh, you know, Lavender, by the way, his name is Lavender. Don't ask, okay? It's my wife named them. Very Don't masculine. Even ask. Don't even ask. <laughs> but okay, and I'm, I'm literally getting text messages from CVS like Lavender's prescription is coming due. Do you want to, you know, do you want to fill it? And then I'll text back, you know, yes, please. And then I'll be like, oh, we've seen you're out of refills. Can we contact your vet? And I'll be like, yes, please. And then it'll text, you know, they'll text me back saying we've contacted your vet. It's okay. Can you pick it up this week? And I'll be yes, I'll be in this week. I'm not talking to a human being. I mean, I'm talking to a a computer. A robot is doing all of this for CVS, and ultimately. Any small business that has a good relationship with you know, their, their accounting software maker, like an Intuit, um, CRM, the system that they have, collaboration system, all of that automation is going to be built into their, their products. And, and, but, and they should rely on them and they should be looking into them because it will make them more productive and save time and cut overhead. One thing I did pick up on, though, you talked a lot about, their, about embracing technology and I wonder if part of that too is embracing many of the people who are spearheading the use of the technology. And a lot of times uh, that means millennials. I'm not just talking about this because I self-identify, but I want to make sure I get this quote right because I did. we did our research on you. 
You referred to people who complain about millennials as, quote, idiots. Yes. <laughs> There's no, it's very black and white. <laughs> yeah, so, so please explain. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that as one. I just uh, was curious. It's, 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 it confounds me. I mean, like, listen, millennials are, they, they represent half of the workforce now and also half of our customer base, you know? And, and I, I go to conferences. Again, I tell you, the average age of the business owners that I speak to at these conferences are, you know, in their 50s and they complain about millennials, you know? Oh, they don't work so hard. They don't know the value of a hard day's work. They don't, you know, they're lazy. They're whatever. You know, and it's like, really? I mean, your parents weren't saying the same thing about you when you were their age, you know, and, and their parents weren't saying the same thing about them. I mean, the smartest business people that I meet are the ones that recognize this is a different generation. And, oh, like these millennials, are they're, they're crazy. I mean, in survey after survey, these, these, this generation wants more work-life balance and wants to spend more time with their families. I mean, what a bunch of nuts they are, aren't they? That's crazy. And they're, and they're, they're more technology savvy and they, they prefer to work for companies that are more socially conscious. Oh, that's terrible. These, oh, who would have thought? So I, the, the smartest business people that I know, they, they recognize the fact that this is the new generation. They are not going to change. This generation is going to be what they're going to be. It's up to us as business owners to change and adapt and meet what their needs are. Our biggest assets will always be our people. And the millennial generation are as hardworking and productive as any generation before them. They just have different values and different objectives. And, you know, we've, we've got to meet those values and objectives if we want to attract the best assets to our companies. And I just think the business owners that don't get that and complain or resist, I think they're idiots. Amen. Amen. Hey, kind of touching on what you just said about uh, the millennials and 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 the shopping and the way they, they shop. Lazy, by the way. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so, you know, kind of going back to the idea of, of uh, the, the customer base is really changing with the millennials and they're making decisions differently. Also, we've got this huge migration over to online right. retail. So, you know, I just wanted to kind of touch on that for a moment about, you know, what small businesses need to do to win in this new online retail space. You have to make sure that you are doing things fast full disclosure, providing pricing and whatever information is needed up front because people have very short attention spans and people want to get their information quickly. And then once they make that decision, they want to get their products in their hand fast. So you know, the best advice that you know, I give to people is to look at some of the major online uh, you know, marketplaces. They, have, they all have rules for their merchants and their resellers. Um, and some of them can be pretty draconian about responding to requests and answering customer service issues and shipping fast and being on your toes. The, the rules that those online merchants require of their, mer uh, of their merchants, uh, th those, are the, those are the practices that you should be following. Because if you want to succeed online, these guys have figured it out all already. You know, they've, they've all built large audiences and customer bases uh, for both themselves and their merchants. You want to be doing the same thing for yourself. You need to be following sort of the rules that they've let out and the, the best practices that they follow. Well, Gene, I think it's fitting that you talk uh, or mention the messiness of running your own business because as we wrap up here, I wanted to get you to put a little bit sure, more skin sure. in the game if that's okay with you. And I'm curious, in all the years that you've run your business, right, what is the biggest <laughs> mistake you um, made? The, the, I have a lot 
I've made like a lot of mistakes um, when I've run, you know, when I've run this business. Um, but I think, you know, the biggest mistake that I've made um, over the years is not investing more in in good people, um, particularly when I first started up. I mean, I had 10 years of my business where it was just me and my dad. And it was like, my dad was kind of doing the, you know, bringing in the work and I was doing all the work and we were making like a livelihood, you know? And, you know, a few years before my dad, my dad died about 10 years ago and you know, right around the time when he died, um, we, you know, I, we brought on another person. And then after my father passed away, um, I started bringing on more people and it was like this, you know, this light went off, like saying like, geez, you know, here I was busting my, you know what, every day just to like, you know, earn an income. Now I'm bringing on more people and I'm handing off work to them um, and dealing with clients who are so used to dealing with me, but I'm letting them do the work and, and do the work for me. And I suddenly realized that's, that's how people make money, isn't it? You know, like you can do all the work yourself or you can have 10 people doing the work for you and you can make 10 times the amount of money. It was like this light bulb went off, you know? And so I, it took me 10 years to learn that. And I, I just, you know, I, I say to other people when they start up businesses, like, man, you know, don't make the mistake that I made. I mean, focus on what you do best. Like, for example, I'm, a, I'm an accountant. I'm a CPA. I'm a, I'm a really, I'm not a very good CPA, you know, like for me, like if it's good and if it's close enough, it's good enough. And that's like, not what you want from a CPA. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And here right, I am right, doing like sort of all. like accounting type services for a number of years and doing like a very mediocre job at it. And then it dawned, but I was very good at, I can talk about stuff and sell the services and I enjoy doing that big picture and, you know, a little bit more strategic stuff without getting into the details and screwing everything up. So, you know, I learned that I could bring people on to do that work that are much smarter than me and better at it and I could sell their services. And if I had a few of those people, I can make way more money than me doing a lousy job at it, just doing it myself. So you focus on what you do best and then you bring on others to do the rest. You shouldn't be afraid to invest in other people and to give up control of your business. And by the way, those people have made tons of mistakes. I've lost clients and lost money and all of that. But overall, it's it's been way more profitable long term. So that's been my biggest mistake is is not recognizing the value of, of bringing on others to do the work for me. Listeners, I just want you to let you guys know we are not <laughs> going to outsource this podcast to other talent. You're yeah. stuck with us for better or worse. Uh, but Gene, I think this has been really great. And uh, you have a standing <laughs> invitation to come back and yodel. I'd love to come want. back though. It's a great conversation. I just throw in there too for uh, listeners to check out your blogs uh, and your columns on uh, Forbes, Washington Post, uh, Entrepreneur, and Inc. They're yeah. great. I, I don't know how you have time to do anything with all that, but uh, it's I really think. good stuff. Thanks, guys. guys. It was a pleasure. I really sure. enjoyed being on. Thanks so on. much, Gene. 